All right. Thank you for joining me once again, people. I'm glad you have so much confidence in me to bring you this ACC news. This is ACC Basketball Report episode number 37. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I got an interesting episode today because for whatever reason, I'm in a fairly weird mood. Um, <clears throat> I felt like I was on speed when I did this episode. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, put a lot of stuff out there. Did uh, the number nine team in my projections as well as the number eight team in my projections. I talked about how Coach K thinks that you guys are idiots. Okay, thinks you're an idiot. Thinks I'm an idiot. Thinks everybody's idiots. Uh, also, two very key pieces of ACC news that came out today, which I will talk about real quick. It is Monday at I think I recorded this about six thirty in the evening. Um, <clears throat> yeah, hope you guys enjoy. I am Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report. This is ACCBR. I am Michael Hunter at Pcone36 on Twitter. This is episode number 37. Um, I'm gonna jump right into it today. First off, let me uh, you know remind you: like, review, share, retweet the podcast. Get the word out there. Let's build this brand. Let's make this the destination for people to go for ACC basketball news. Uh, check out all the ACC news for the last couple weeks on the website, accbasketballreport.com. I've been trying to get you guys stuff every day. Uh, some stuff that happened today, I'm actually going to talk about today on today's podcast. It is currently 6.30 on Monday, October 22nd. Um, <clears throat> questions, concerns, comments, let me know. accbasketballreport at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook at accbasketballreport. And again, follow me on Twitter at pcone 6 on Twitter. Uh, two big pieces of news today. Uh, both came simultaneously and both uh, somewhat similar in both of the subject matter. Name is Braxton. Braxton Beverly broke his hand out indefinitely for NC State. Uh, this hurts. Beverly was one of the primary deep threats uh, for the Wolfpack. They are incredibly deep at the guard position. Uh, Eric Lockett is more than capable. Transfer, grad transfer that's coming into the program. He should step up his, his role a little bit. And, you know, he's a good player. Uh, Beverly, you know, a really underrated, I think, freshman season last year. Averaged about 9.5 points, 2.5 rebounds, and nearly 4 assists a game as a true freshman. Also made 60 triples on 38.5% from deep. <coughs> uh, and possibly the biggest news in the ACC that happened uh, in the past couple weeks is Braxton Key has been granted a waiver and will be eligible for University of Virginia. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Key is, he averaged 9.8 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 2.2 assists in 60 games for Alabama. He is a really athletic 6'8 forward. He gives UVA another weapon, a, a kid that can play some defense. You know, Virginia's already a top five team in the country. Uh, that was reflected in the co poll. You know, this makes them a legitimate national title contender. I do not give a shit about losing to UMBC last year in the tournament. The way they play, and now the makeup of this roster, this is a really dangerous team. And I think with the personalities that they have on the team, those being Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome specifically, that loss is fuel to the fire, not a reason to get down on yourselves. I think those guys are going to see that as people slighting them, people doubting them, and I expect these guys to come up with a chip on their shoulder and really play. Now, there are some people that think that DeAndre Hunter is one of the best pro prospects in basketball this year. You add that to those two guys, and then you add a guy like Key, and you put an athlete like Mamadi Diakete, um, a, a bullish uh, screen-setting, you know, carved-out-of-granite guy like Jack Salt out there setting illegal screens and knocking people in ass left and right. This team is dangerous. I mean, they were dangerous before with their ability to shoot the ball, especially with... with 
with Guy and Jerome. But now um, they have talent at both forward positions. They, these are guys that are Swiss Army Knife players in, in Hunter and Key. They can play all over the floor. This team's really dangerous, especially when you know you only get, what, 60, 65 possessions in, in a game. I mean, it, it's – I don't even know what the numbers are. That was just me guessing. But Virginia gives you so few possessions on the offensive end that you're going to score low anyway. And now they have – players on the offensive end that are supremely talented that their points per possession is going to be sky high. This is going to be an incredibly hard team to beat on the court. And <coughs> I'm, I'm going to be, I'm sorry, I'm a little sick here. Um, I'm really intrigued by this team. I, I Anyway, they were a, a top three team for me in the ACC, but now this is a very dangerous team. They are a legit national title contender. They, uh, you know, I, I think there's two teams in the country. You'll see um, on my uh, rock and top 25 poll, vote cast that will come out. I think in a couple weeks I think we have to cast that vote uh spoiler alert Kansas is the number one team in the country followed by Kentucky and Gonzaga so you know those three teams I, th- well, I think Kansas and Kentucky kind of stick out but behind them um personally I have you know Gonzaga UNC and Virginia fall in line right after right after those two those are my top five coming into the country uh coming into the season this UVA team is really good and I think if I if I had to redo my rankings right now, I might. And now that I haven't quite made it that far, I'm going to do two of these teams today. My projected standings in the ACC, I may have to bump Kansas up. A, I'm sorry, Kansas. I may have to bump Virginia up a spot. This, I, I think this this addition is that significant. I, I think that this makes Virginia incredibly, incredibly dangerous in the landscape all of college basketball, whether it be the ACC or the national title. Um, conversation and you know the UMBC thing it, it is what it is it was bound to happen sooner or later you knew it was going to happen in our lifetime the way that some of these teams shoot the ball I, I think UVA is going to turn that into fuel for the fire and I think Virginia is going to come out and whoop some ass in some game this year so <clears throat> anyway I wanted to move on to the title subject matter of this podcast which is okay thinks you're stupid Okay, he thinks I'm stupid. He thinks you're stupid. And woggles my mind is that Duke fans continue to live down to those expectations. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Duke fans are so biased and they've been getting so much shit for so long because of their success that they're always unthensive. Okay. They will disagree with you simply because they think that you're criticizing them. Okay, I have a ton of Duke fans that are friends of mine. And being a Georgia Tech fan, I've had to keep my mouth shut since like the mid-90s. Okay? Um, if you think that Duke is bringing in these one-and-done players simply because of tradition, while people are out there offering $100,000 for Brian Bowen, uh, $150,000 and cars, $100,000 a job, okay? You think Duke landing the top three players in the nation, he ain't involved in some shady shit? You know, a Kansas assistant caught on a wiretap saying they would meet Zion's, Zion Williamson's demands of cash, housing, uh, family employment, and then he ends up in Durham after K fakes. You don't think that's that's crazy? That's, that's tradition? Duke's winning that game on tradition? I mean, money talks, okay? Bullshit walks. Okay, when baseball went through their steroid dilemma, players all said the same thing. Okay, you hit home runs, you make big money. In this case, the coaches are the players. Okay, hitting home runs is signing these kids. Okay, these 17, 18, 19 year old impressionable young adults hold the keys to these coaches' futures. Okay, those are the home runs. The players aren't the players, the players are the coaches in this game. Okay, Coach K makes $8 million a year, Roy Williams makes bundles of money. From Nike, okay. Now I ain't saying Roy Williams cheats. I'm I'm not saying that. I haven't heard his name. I I, I can't help but think that he benefits from his relationship with Nike. Okay, Roy Williams. God love him. He's not out there playing stupid in the media. Coach K is out there saying, with with everything that's going on in the Southern District of New York, 
Coach K saying this is a blip on the radar? Are you kidding me? This is one of the most corrupt organizations in the world, speaking about the NCAA. Okay? They are up there with the Olympic International Committee. As far as their refusals to, to punish big-name programs that everybody knows is cheating, it's, it's corruption down to the, 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 the last letter. It's the definition of corruption. Okay? Read Tarkanian's book. Don't even read Tarkanian's book. Blue Chips came out in, what, 95? The program came out in 93? These movies talk about corruption. We knew it was going on in the early 90s. They were publicizing it on the big screen. We've known about it. It's not a blip on the screen. This has been going on for 25 years that we've talked about in the open. Okay? Uh, John Wooden was known to have a bag man back when he was winning 400 national championships in a row. UCLA caught on early. They were out paying players and they didn't give a fuck. Why? Because they were winning national championships. They were hitting home runs. They were bringing in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton. I mean, give me a break. What I want from Duke fans is, is what I give people that criticize me for being a Patriots fan. Okay? Hey, you're a cheater. Yep. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I don't want guys like Zion to burn. Okay? I want to watch Zion play. I want to see Javon Quinterly play. Okay? I don't want Coach K to treat me like I'm an idiot. I know what's going on. Everybody knows what's going on. Duke fans, you know what's going on. I don't even know if Duke fans listen to the show. I'm kind of a Duke hater. I have that reputation. I try to hide it sometimes, but sometimes I don't. Okay, you know, just admit it. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I wish Georgia Tech would cheat. God, I would be a bad, I would drop bags for Georgia Tech, for Josh Pastner. Are you kidding me? Last night, Marcus Watson, the number one player on their board for a year. He He's, he's going to Georgia Tech up until some people say early afternoon. 3.15, Corey Evans changes his pick to Oklahoma State, and it's out. If you weren't paying attention, I mean, you know, we all waited 17 years. It was scheduled to come out at 7 o'clock. It didn't come out until almost 10.30 last night. All I wanted to do was hit publish on accbasketballreport.com. The kid wouldn't announce. We all knew where he was going. Kid, save your hype video. Just say you're going to Oklahoma State to play for your cousin. Even though at 1 o'clock in the afternoon it's rumored that you were still going to Georgia Tech. Never mind that it's completely classless to go to Atlanta and visit Georgia Tech on Friday evening during a concert to get on stage and dance with the Yellow Jacket team as if you're one of them, as if you're joining them, only to spurn them 24 hours later. Give me a break. And I don't know how this went from Duke to Georgia Tech, but hey, whatever. It's Monday. Work sucked today. And I'm taking it out on you guys, and I apologize for that. All I want Duke people to do is admit that they cheated. That they're cheating. That you can't land the top three players in the nation without some shady shit going on. Now, I've said it in the past. You're not going to find a picture of Coach K okay, downtown at the 7-Eleven with a Samsonite briefcase with $100 bills, you know, peeking out the seam, handing it to Zion Williamson, waving at a guy taking a picture from across the street, okay? You're not going to kind of have that proof. It doesn't exist. Coach K has never been in the room with the money. Okay? He's Stringer Bell. Okay? Never in the room with the dope. Coach K is insulated. He's become the bank. There are people that work in his best interest that he doesn't even have to talk to. He know These people know who Duke's going after. Give him a list of the top 15 players in the country. We'll get him for you. Okay? Everybody knows it. And I don't even care. I don't care that the players get the players get paid. I don't. I don't care. Because the NCAA is the most corrupt organization in American sports and they're making mad bank off that tournament every March. Don't care. But don't treat me like I'm an idiot. UNC fans, don't tell me that you didn't do some shady shit with your academics. I know you did. Everybody knows you did. You know you did. Yeah, but we got away with it. Why? Because we told the NCAA to go fuck themselves and they don't have a spine. It is what it is. Okay? Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech doesn't stand behind Daryl LaBerry, one of the most widely respected assistant coaches in the country, certainly in the Southeast. And look what's going on with their recruiting. They just missed on their top nine targets this, this summer. Okay? Shit. Stand up for your people. Cheat. 
Do what it takes to get these kids on. I just want to win. I just want to watch my team go to the dance. And if you think there's a direct correlation between uh, the way I'm currently feeling about the Georgia Tech program and the continued success of UNC and Duke, you're absolutely correct. Why? Because I covet that success. Okay, It's not personal. People hate you because you're good. It is what it is. Marvin Bagley's dad gets a $750,000 endowment, quote-unquote, to run a Nike AAU team. You don't think it's dirty? You don't think that's Nike working in the best interest of Duke? <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Zion leaves that Kansas deal on the table. Why? Because he likes Duke's tradition? Don't even get me started on Wendell Carter and his mom. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, a little bit angry tonight, a little bit wound up. But I got that off my chest. That's what, that's what Duke does to me. That's what Duke's fans do to me. You know, my boys, um, the chef out in California, uh, Weston, back home in Maine. I don't know if they listen to the show. I'm talking to you guys right now. I really am. You know, Big T, you listening to this show? Talking to you. Bri, over in, over in Holly Springs, UNC fan, talking to you. The people who own the company that I work for. I don't know if you guys listen to the show. I really doubt it. I hope not because I'll probably be fired. But... Talking to you guys too. I, I work for a company that's based out of Chapel Hill. I work with Tar Heel fans every day. Okay, I keep my my fandom sometimes a secret, but I'll go to company function with Georgia Tech gear on. Okay, I'm not angry, guys. I'm just uh, I'm frustrated. You guys get away with it, and somehow Pastner refuses to do it. And I'm not coming down on Pastner refusing to cheat. If that's, if that's the road you want to take, more power to you. But for God's sake, somebody drop a bag in Pastner's interest. Okay? Help our guy out. He's a good guy. He needs some help. I want him to stick around. I really do. I want Pastner to succeed in Georgia, at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. But for God's sake, somebody give him some help. You know, hook me up with a used car dealership and, you know, some guy that's got disposable income that, that loves Georgia Tech basketball. We'll get this shit done. I'll tip him off to who we need to pay. F&A, Cotton. You know, goddamn. Anyway, enough of the anger. Why is it so tense in here? You guys okay? You guys still with me? Did you guys shut me off at the five-minute mark? I really apologize. I didn't mean to come down on you like that. All right? I'm going to be honest. It's Monday. It's been a suck day. I didn't record yesterday because I wanted to stamp for the Watson News. All right? Buddy of mine shoots me a, a DM around, I don't know, five o'clock. Hey, we're not getting Marcus. Ah, you know, 15 minutes before that, we signed a Juco kid. Ah, you know, hey, hey, David Didenko or Didenko, six foot nine Russian, handles the ball, can shoot it a little bit. He might be the saving grace. He might be our Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, Frank Kaminsky's been through once, you know. You don't, you don't see that player a lot. I, I you know, I want to believe in the kid. Juco kids don't get me excited very often. Uh, I just, you know, I, I you stayed up till 1030 waiting. And, uh, you know, Watson goes to Oklahoma State. And you know goddamn well that he was going to Georgia Tech in the morning. What happened between 9 o'clock in the morning and 3.30 in the afternoon? That's what I want to know. I want to be a fly on that wall. Eh, Mike Boynton's his cousin. Maybe. He's his cousin. Why didn't he commit six months ago? That's what I want to know. All right, enough of the anger. We're going to get to number nine on the ACC Basketball Report countdown. This is the first pick of mine in this projected standings of teams that will go to the NCAA tournament. Number nine is Notre Dame. Okay, Coming off a 21-15 season, 8-10 in the ACC last year. Key losses, we all know who they are. Okay, Big three. Bonzi Colson, Matt Farrell, Martinus Jebin, Gabin, sorry. That was, that was a slip. Uh, we all know Colson, you know, broken foot. This was a team, top 10 team last year. Colson and Farrell, so good. Okay, TJ Gibbs, Rex Fluger, uh, secondary options on offense. You know, just a solid team all the way around. Gebbin finally came into his own after playing for the Lithuanian national team in the offseason where he showed out a little bit. And then he showed up during the season. I thought Gebbin was really good last year. Underrated season last year. Um, that that was a tough that was a tough go around for Notre Dame, and uh, you know that was one of the best teams in the country that succumbed to injuries, and we didn't get to see their best basketball, and that sucks because just like you guys, I want to see the best players in 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 the world or in the country or in wherever 
play college basketball. I want to see the best teams compete. I want to see the best teams in the tournament. And I thought Notre Dame should have been in the tournament last year when those guys got healthy. Now, that may now be fair because you're projecting a little bit. I want to see Bonzi Colson in the tournament. I want to see Matt Farrell in the tournament. I don't give a shit about, I don't know, whatever at-large team made it that shouldn't have last year. Uh, did St. Mary's get in? They shouldn't have, okay? Notre Dame should have been in. I don't Actually, I don't think either one of them got in. But anyway, whoever was in the first four, none of those teams would have been had a better makeup than Notre Dame. And what kind of sucks was they went through the NIT. Bonzi Colson ended up breaking his foot again, which sucks. Okay, that's a Final Four caliber team that you kept out of the tournament last year. Now, I know that when Colson went down, they had a, they had a skid. I think they lost seven and eight in a row at one point. Okay, that's bad. That sucks. But if they're all healthy, I think you put them in. I think that's 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 viewership. That's that's one of the best teams in the country, upside wise. That's a that's a elite eight contender that you kept out because one of their best players broke his foot and another one sprained his ankle. That sucks, you know. And then DJ Harvey, of course, has microfracture surgery. All right. So key losses: Bonzi Colson, Matt Farrell, Martinus Gebbin. Key recruits: uh, Prentice Hub, top one hundred. Nate Lazuski, top 100. Dane Goodwin, top 100. Robbie Carmody, top 100. Chris Doherty, three-star, not top 100. Big body. Uh, this is a kid who could be Martinus Gebbin. He really could. Um, and then you have Joan Durham, who, who's also making his debut this season, played well in the Bahamas. You know, these kids, I, I expect Hub, I think it's Hub the 4th, uh, and Lazuski to be impact guys right away. Dane Goodwin has high upside as a scorer. Oh, this kid, this kid can score the ball. He can shoot the ball. Carmody is a big body, kind of hybrid forward kid. He can shoot it a little bit, kind of stretchy, stretchy 3-4 hybrid. I don't know if I'd post him up. He's a little bit undersized, I think. He, he's long-term. He, he's one of those guys that he's going to show up as a junior and be like, where the fuck did this kid come from? Yeah, that's Robbie Carmody. Okay? First game of his junior season, he's going to score 3,700 points. Probably not. That would be a record. But... He's going to pop onto the scene. You're going to be like, where did this guy come from? And he's in the 2018 class. We were just so deep that we couldn't play him. Okay, Dane Goodwin's going to show up next year, I think. Hub, Lazuski, they're going to be starters this year, I believe. Um, I'm kind of in the minority in that thinking. But uh, I think Lazuski's going to start over Mooney. Me and my buddy Nate Erbach uh, from Slap the Sign, kind of back and forth on that a little bit. I'm bullish on Lazuski. I think he's going to be so good. He was recently ranked as the seventh best shooter in the country, I believe. Kid's 6'10". 6'10", shoots the three, drills it. I mean, just back of the rim. The net doesn't even move. It's crazy. All right. So, <clears throat> I feel like a lunatic tonight. All right. I, I never record on Monday after work. I hate doing it. I like recording on Sunday morning. It's, you know, the birds chirping, the sunlight. Now, right now it's dark out. It's crazy. You know, I... Emotional from work, emotional from the Watson recruitment, emotional because Georgia Tech's going to suck for another 10 years. Anyway, five reasons why I have Notre Dame at number nine in the country and why they're in the dance. I have three pros, two cons. Okay, first three are pros. Coaching, it's simple. Mike Bray, Mike Bray is simply a great coach. Okay, 17 21 seasons since 1995, 14 NCAA tournament appearances. Two of those came at Delaware. Yeah. Mike Bray bought Delaware to the NCAA tournament. Can you even imagine? The Blue Hens just strikes fear in your heart, doesn't it? It's craziness. Playing in the America East. He has over 500 coaching wins in his career. You know that? Like, that doesn't sound like much when you talk about Kay, Bob Knight, Jim Beheim, guys like that. But 500 coaching wins? That's a lot of wins. It really is. What's that? That's 25 wins a year, four years times five. Shit. Ain't, ain't nobody get that unless you're cheating. <laughs> but <clears throat> Mike Bray, it's simple. He's he's stylish, okay? He's just a good guy. He's a guy, you know, everybody talks about they want to go drinking with Huggins. I want to go drinking with Mike Bray. I want to go drinking with Mike Bray and Bobby Huggins. <laughs> that's that's a good time right there. That I want to hear the stories that come from that. Okay. Number two, reasons why I have them at number nine. This is also a pro Temple Gibbs and Rex Fluger. Gibbs can now take over as lead dog, okay? He was lead dog for this team last year, and then he had to rescind it, okay? And then he took it back. Then he had to rescind it, and then he took it back, okay? Matt Farrell kept coming back and then getting hurt, okay? This season, TJ Gibbs, well-defined as the lead dog 
on the Fighting Irish. Fluger now has some some players around him. He can concentrate on being that glue guy, that glue guy player, that status. That's his natural position. That's the natural position for both. Okay, Gibbs is a scorer. Fluger's a glue guy. They can both return to that natural position that they have. I think Fluger was leaned on a little bit too much last year with all the injuries. He couldn't be that secondary go-to guy to score the ball. He's just not that type of player. I think he was as a prep player, but just at the college level, he is a guy that's going to get you nine points, five rebounds, four assists. He's probably going to block a shot, make a key steal, you know, make some free throws. He's just he's that kind of guy. He, he doesn't need to do that this year. Okay, Gibbs is going to get twenty a season. Okay, Fluger's going to be 9, 4, 4, 1, and 1, okay? And guys like Lazuski are going to step up. Uh, guys like Prentice Hub are going to step up. John Mooney, I think, is a player that may be underrated. He could have a big year offensively, so that'll be interesting to keep your eyes on. Number three reason why I have Notre Dame at number nine, why I have them in the tournament, and why I'm so high on this team is quality depth, okay? You guys hear me talk about it all the time. Uh, Notre Dame has 10 guys that can legitimately play. They have depth at every position and guys who can play multiple spots. You know, Gibbs can play on or off the ball. Fluger can play one through three. John Mooney can play all over the court on offense. And freshman Nate Lazuski, a 6'10 kid, plays mostly away from the basket. I think you can put him in the high post. I think you can put him in the short corner. I don't know if he's got the, the quicks to be out on the wing yet. I don't know if he could take those guys on the dribble. Um, certainly an interesting player to me. Um, you know, freshman Dane Goodwin, Robert E. Carmody, a couple of guys I talked about, good long-term pieces. That's going to be like your, your eight, nine, ten guys, which I don't know if they're going to play a ton this year, but if somebody gets hurt, which is entirely possible on this team, those aren't bad options to do a little trial by fire because they are talented. Um, you know, DJ Harvey, another guy just got cleared recently. Um, not sure if he, he's currently testing the knee. That's what I know. I know that the redshirt possibility is still on the table. As far as I've heard, that's still on the table. They're testing his comfort. They're testing his confidence. If he comes out and he's not confident on that knee, if he needs to rehab it, if he needs to strengthen it, the redshirt's still on the table. If he comes back, that makes them that much deeper. And if he can live up to his five-star status, shit. This is a dangerous team. You know, DJ. if DJ Harvey comes back, this is a five-star kid. This kid scored 17 points when Colson went down before he hurt his knee. You know, he played for a bit on a bum wheel. And he's got some talent. He struggled a little bit early in his freshman season, but he started to come around, then he got hurt. You know, if he can make Lazuski the third option on this team, or if he himself can be a quality third option, make Prentice Hub the fourth option. And for those of you guys who haven't seen Prentice Hub play, oh, you know, there's a kid who suffered a knee injury. Didn't play a senior season. I think he ranked somewhere in the top 75. This kid can play. This kid can play so well that Temple Gibbs is going to be running off ball screens. Good luck keeping up. Don't give that boy any room. He's a sniper. And Prentice Hub, I think, is the key to this team's success this year. Well, I'll go on the record and say that. Uh, that's how much I believe in Prentice Hub. Left-handed kid, smooth as silk. Um, if you guys saw the video I posted from the Notre Dame Twitter feed... On my Twitter page the other day, he had he he threw a little hitch, a little hitch in his giddy up, uh, in the scrimmage the other day, the the blue and gold scrimmage, and I mean that kid, the, I don't I don't even know who was guarding him, I can't even remember, but whoever was guarding him was left hugging nothing but air because Prentice was gone, he was already in the bucket, and that little that little hitch, that little hitch and go, little hesitation dribble, I love it. I think this kid's a lead guard. I love Prentice Hub in a completely non-homo kind of way. As a basketball player, he's a kid that I really like. All right. So, number nine team in the conference has got to be some cons, right? There's got to be some doubt. There's got to be some reason why I have them at number nine and not at number four. The first of those reasons is youth. You know, I like these kids as basketball players. I think they're really talented, high upside. What don't freshmen do? Say it, Okay. Tony Patelis' big saying is, free throws are free. My saying, freshmen don't play defense. Okay? Freshmen do not play defense. Nate Lazuski's not going to play defense for shit this year. Telling you that right now. Enjoy his three-point shooting on the offensive end. He won't play a stitch of defense this year. Guaranteed. Help side defense just because of his height, he might get some blocks. He's also going to be susceptible to the blow-by when he has to guard anybody on the perimeter. 
Prentice playing the lead guard spot. Might play a little D. I think he's got some upside of some D. But he's, you know, crafty guards in the ACC. Even the sophomores. You know, okay, think about the, the guards that Prentice Hub is going to have to guard this year. Jose Alvarado. Okay, Justin Robinson. Trey Jones. Uh, shit, who's the kid from USA? Kobe White. Okay, Ty Jerome. Prentice Hub ain't going to be able to do up. Now, some of these guys are going to be guarded by Temple Gibbs. Sure. But... Okay, who are the two guards in the ACC? <laughs> All right, I mean, they're going to be susceptible. You know, take the young buck to school every now and then. Okay, talented but young. Laz and Prentice, two really good freshmen, but they're still freshmen. Okay, they're going to log heavy minutes, growing pains, especially on the road. Okay, the road in the ACC is paved with the good intentions of high-profile stars that got coaches fired. I cannot believe I just got that out of my mouth without fucking that up. I had it written down. I thought to myself when I was typing, I'd never be able to say it. I got it out. Um, <clears throat> it's going to cost Notre Dame a game or two. It really is. The youth on defense, it, it, on the road. It'll cost Notre Dame a game that they would typically win when they had seniors. Steve Vestoria, okay? Matt Farrell. You know, get old, stay old. That's Notre Dame. That's what G-Tech wants to be. Okay, That's Virginia. Get old, stay old. Experience and shooting. That'll get it done in the ACC. Get it done in all of college basketball. Okay? But this Notre Dame team is one of the youngest teams that Bray's had. And now he's breaking in transfers. He's, he's bringing in, you know, he's got guys coming off injuries. It's going to be a tough year for Bray, but I think he gets it done because he's a great coach. And the number five reason, which is a con, okay? It's a uh, the number five reason. And maybe the biggest reason that I don't have them higher is health okay you can tell me they're healthy but i want to see them play in a game that matters okay take your scrimmages and all right take your blue gold game sure that's a scrimmage okay it's an inner inner interest inter intra inter squad scrimmage okay how's their confidence on those bum wheels all right juan durham prentice hub dj harvey three pivotal pieces to this fighting irish team all have a history of knee issues. All within the past... Well, if you count Durham, I think it's been three years. Okay, Durham suffered his knee injury in high school. Came back, went to UConn, not quite the same. It amazes me that people don't know who Juwan Durham is. Juwan Durham's a five-star guy. Suffered a knee injury. I think halfway through his senior year in high school. Went to UConn, puts up small numbers. He sucks! No. No, he went down to the Bahamas, blocked some shots, played well, rebounded the ball. If that kid's got confidence in his leg, oh, what a steal. What a steal for Bray, who doesn't really lose kids to transfer and doesn't really take in a whole lot of transfers. But Juwan Durham can play some basketball, all right? Prentice Hub, play some basketball. He's one year removed from a serious knee injury. DJ Harvey, he had microfracture surgery within the past eight months, okay? Microfracture surgery is still... Uh, a wild card as far as injuries go. Okay, this is the same injury that that ended Antonio McDyce's career, or at least made him half the player he used to be. Okay, Mari Stoudemire. Remember him with the Suns? Yeah, microfracture. Smell you later. Signed a 14-year, $1,700 million fucking contract with the Knicks. Played one good game. We all went crazy, and then, yeah, he's kind of a bench player after that. Okay, microfracture surgery is crazy. DJ Harvey could still redshirt. Then again, DJ Harvey could come in and Played 32 minutes a game and averaged 15 points. <clears throat> I don't know what to expect. If all three of these guys are healthy, like really healthy, Notre Dame's a dangerous team. But to have three guys in your top seven that have recently suffered serious knee injuries, that's that's a point where I have to pay some attention and, and temper my expectations for this team. Um you know, I think this Notre Dame team squeezes into the dance. I think they avoid the first four, but I, th- I think they're a first weekend team. Um, you know, dependent on youth. Youth doesn't play defense. you got to play defense in the, in the NCAA tournament. They might get out of the first round if they can get a, I think, what, I think this is probably a seven through nine seed team, something like that. Maybe a 10. I could see them being a 10, you know, playing that 7-10 game. They could drop that. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a first weekend team. But... If these guys develop, Dane Goodwin, Robbie Carmody, 
Um, if Chris Doherty, you know, figures out his role, um, you know, Jawan Durham's back next year. I think this team, if, if Gibbs stays, Fluger goes, but if if this team stays intact, they're, what is it, climax? Such a dirty word. Their high-end peak value is next year. Because I think Dane Goodwin is going to be such a good player. I just don't think, I, I don't know if he's got it this year. He really struggled in the Bahamas. Uh, now, you know, Hub didn't play in the Bahamas, but... I like this Notre Dame team next year a lot more than I like them this year. Anyway, okay, first weekend team, that's that's Notre Dame. That's my thoughts on Notre Dame. I like them, but only a little bit. Okay, I like them as a friend, all right? Now, number 18 on my projections, uh, if you listen to College Hoop News podcast on YouTube where I kicked off the season, I was number one guest, okay, number one son, okay? Tony decided to kick off. It doesn't have anything to do with alphabetical order, all right? All right? I kicked off the season. Somehow my numbers are low on that podcast. We talked for almost two hours. You could you could hear the entire rundown for the ACC. Go to YouTube, College Hoop News podcast. Check it out. But I do a little bit deeper dives here, so don't abandon me. Don't go anywhere. All right. Number eight team on my countdown is the Clemson Tigers. Okay, twenty five and ten last year, eleven and seven in the ACC. Made their first Sweet Sixteen in I don't know seventy years. Um, key losses. You know, we know, we've all talked about them all season. Dante Grantham, Gabe DeVoe, Mark Donald. Now, the loss of Grantham is a little bit mitigated because he got injured in the 19th game of the season. Okay? Clemson knows, these kids that are coming back, they know what it's like to play without Dante Grantham. All right? That said, you know, he averaged 14 and 8 a game. He's a good player. Goddamn good player. All right? Key additions, Hunter Tyson, four-star kid. Um, One of my freshman 15 Johnny Newman III, who is a kid that a lot of people really like. Um, I believe he is the son of former NBA player Johnny Newman. I think that's I think that's been confirmed. I don't know. I hate when I say things like that. I don't really know. Uh, also, uh, Javon White, who averaged about 10 points, 9 rebounds last year. Oral Roberts is a grad transfer. He's immediately eligible. Gives the Clemson Tigers some front court depth. In that podcast with Tony Patelis, you heard me talk about him always... Um, suspicious, I guess. I don't know if that's the word. Sometimes I reach for a word. I use the complete wrong word. I'm sure if you've listened to the previous 36 episodes of this podcast, you've caught up on that by now. Um, when you transfer up, I'm not always sold. Okay, Especially with a kid that I haven't seen, other than a YouTube video where he makes every shot he takes and blocks every shot that he paces. Um, quality depth, though. I'm always talking about it. Quality depth. You know, quality depth, get uh, get ability in recruiting, and freshmen don't play defense. Those are the trademarks of the ACC basketball report. Either way, he's solid. He's talented. He can play. Um, five reasons. I have Clemson at number eight. Again, three pros, two cons. I'm sure you know what one of them is, okay, because I talk about it so much that the Clemson basketball program actually blocked me on Twitter. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Pitt didn't even block me. I talked about Kevin Stallings for six months. Okay? I talk smack about Pittsburgh all the time. And I, I, I called Jeff Capel basically a cheater on this podcast. Pitt doesn't block me. They've got a spine. Like, I respect that. The Steel City. I hate the Steelers. Anyway. Um, number one. A pro. Three pros. Two cons. Number one. They got one of the best backcourts in the conference. I love it when Marquise Reed likes a post that I write on Twitter that compliments him. Makes me feel just warm and tingly inside. Love it. Love that I got Marquise's attention. I think he's a fan of ACCBR. I hope you're listening, Marquise. If you are, reach out, bro. I got a sweatshirt for you. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell and Reed, they're leaders, they're seniors, they're both really good shooters. Reed is one of the best perimeter defenders in the conference, possibly in the country. Okay, nobody, uh, very few people play the passing lane like Marquise Weed. Marquise Weed. Marquise Reed. Play, okay? Always in the passing lane, always getting fast break buckets. I just love the way the kid plays. Uh, you know, Mitchell, he's a dead-eye shooter. Uh, college basketball, a game that is determined by guard play, especially in the ACC and especially in the NCAA tournament. The Tigers absolutely have top-notch guard play. I actually received some blowback after I did the College Hoop News podcast. 
when I claim that the, the Clemson has one of the best backcourts in the country. Without a doubt, I would take Clemson's backcourt. <sighs> you know, you ever get halfway through saying something and you immediately say, whoa, whoa, whoa pump the brakes, tough guy. I almost said that I would take Clemson's backcourt over Virginia's backcourt. I think that's aggressive because I think Ty Jerome is significantly better than Shelton Mitchell. I, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to not finish that sentence. I'm going to strike that from the record. Okay. Objection, Your Honor. And pretend I never said it. Clemson's very good. They're not better than Virginia as far as backcourt goes. Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, I think if you play an up-tempo style, both those guys could still play in it, and they would be fucking phenomenal. Um, but would I take them over Duke's backcourt of Trey Jones and Barrett? Yeah, because I know what I'm getting. Would I take them over Frank Howard and Tyus Battle of Syracuse? Yeah, I would. I, I love Battle. I just, I, I, he's just such a scorer, but uh, is he that much better than Reed? No. What is he, a point and a half better last year? But I would take Shelton Mitchell over Frank Howard seven days a week, twice on Sunday. Uh, UNC, yeah, freshman backcourt. Kenny Williams, Kobe White. You know, obviously Kenny Williams is a senior, but Kobe White's a freshman. I don't know what I'm getting out of Kobe White every night, so I'll, I'll take Reed and Mitchell. What else? Gibbs and Hub, yeah, I'd, I'd take Clemson over that backcourt. NC State, Markel Johnson, and who's going to be? Braxton Beverly would be uh, Al Freeman last year. Who the f- who is well, Eric Lockett? That's not it. I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? My computer is just just lagging, dragging ass. I mean, it's not it's not crazy to say that Clemson's one of the best backcourts in the ACC, right? I don't I don't think that's crazy. You know, what did Mitchell average last year? 14? 12? I know Reed averaged 16 and a half, something like that. I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's blasphemous to say. Um, you know, better than Miami, better than G Tech, obviously, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, NC State. I know Markel Johnson's one of my favorite players, but you know, I think I'd take probably Virginia Tech over Clemson's backcourt. You know, Justin Robinson's a stud. Nikhil Alexander Walker's a pro. Ahmed Hill, when he's got his head screwed on right, is a you know, 17 point a game guy. But, you know, yeah. 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 Clemson. FNA. One of the best backcourts in the conference, which makes them one of the best backcourts in the country because they play in the best basketball conference in the country. All right. Number two. Eli Thomas anchoring in the middle. Love Eli's game. Okay. 10 points, eight rebounds, two and a half blocks a game. Thomas. I, I would say by default, but I think that's an insult. There's been a mass exodus of quality big men from the ACC. I've talked about it multiple times. Thomas, by default, has become one of the best big men in the conference. Who, who's better right now? Uh, Luke May, probably. But Thomas is better defensively. Um, you know, better than anybody Duke's got. Especially defensively. Kerry Blackshear is decent. Not, not the rim protection that Eli is. Uh, Dewan Huell, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. That's a that's a tie, I think. But uh, you know, Thomas, former Texas A&M player. You know, he he's the emotional leader of this team. He's my pick for defensive player in the air in the ACC. He's a fiery kid. He can finish at the rim. He's decent as far as staying out of foul trouble, which is something about Kerry Blackshear that drives me absolutely bonkers. And who's going to stop him this year? Clemson needs a bucket and they want to dump it into this kid. Okay. I'm okay with that. Because he, he's going to bully almost everybody in this conference. Um, you know, Olivier Saar, Wake Forest, is going to guard him one-on-one on the block. Nah. Abdullah Gay, nah. Anybody on NC State, this Wyatt Walker kid from Sanford is going to guard Eli Thomas. Nah. You know, Luke May, always struggled against more athletic bigs. He's not going to guard him. Javin Delorier, bum foot, he ain't going to guard him. Marcus Bolden doesn't even know who he is anymore. He ain't going to guard him, okay? All right, Zion Williamson may be able to out-athlete Eli Thomas. I will concede that, okay? Eli, don't put up any weak shit against Zion, okay? You know, you get injured eating that ball. Anyway, Eli Thomas, one of my favorite centers in the, in the conference. Absolutely love that kid. Uh, third reason why I have Clemson at number eight is a pro. You may think this is a con, but it's going to be a pro. Is Amir Sims received his on-the-job training last season. Okay, Grantham got hurt in the 19th game of the season. If there is a silver lining to that injury, 
it's that Sims got his feet wet. Okay, in 15 games after Grantham's injury, Sims averaged about five and a half points, almost four and a half rebounds per game. That's nothing great, but the kid averaged four and three over the course of the season. So we stepped it up a little bit. Now this is a team that relied very heavily on its backcourt. Okay, relied very heavily on Gabe Devoe. I don't know if you remember what Gabe Devoe did, what he became after Grantham's injury. He became an absolute stud. He finally lived up to that prep billing of being a highlight scorer. His shooting was tremendous. Okay, There wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for Sims to put up counting statistics, but just being on the court, okay, getting, the, getting that time, playing with Reed, with Mitchell, with, with Thomas is invaluable. Because now he steps in this year, he knows that's, that's his position to take. And he knows what's expected of him. He knows how those guys play. They, he knows where he needs to be for them to put him, specifically Mitchell, in a position to be successful. And I think, I think that's invaluable. 15 games on the job training. He's ready to go this year. Okay, 6'7 kid, super athletic. I think his most, um, his, his biggest contribution is going to be on the glass. Because, you know, Reed, Mitchell, Thomas, they're going to take care of the scoring. You know, this team's probably going to score 72 to 76 points per game, I would say. Something like that. Um, he's not going to be relied on too heavily. You know, Reed might score 20 a game. Shelton Mitchell may score 15 a game. Okay, uh, throw in Thomas's dozen, 14. Okay, leave some scraps out there. Which brings me to my first con on Clemson. You guys all know what the last con is. But my first con, my first reason for doubting them is... Can Sims actually step up and be the fourth best player on this team? Okay, he didn't have to do that last year. He just had to be a body. He had to be a guy that didn't turn the ball over, that didn't foul out of the game, and that didn't make stupid decisions. Okay? Don't prevent us from getting Gabe DeVoe open shots. Don't prevent us from getting Marquise Reed good shots. Okay? Play some defense. Let Reed get out in the passing lanes and run your lanes on defense, on, on transition buckets, and finish. When you have the opportunity, finish at the rim. And I think Sims did a good job on that. Now, can he step in this year? Can he be efficient? Can he give them 8, 10, 12 points a game? 12, I don't think I don't think so. I don't think that's there for him yet. Um, 8, sure. Can he do it efficiently? Okay. Can he do it without shooting 38% from the field? I don't know. With that said, who is the fourth player, best player on this team? Who's the fifth best player on this team? Okay, you know, uh, Hunter Tyson, he's a talented freshman. He's a four-star kid. He's on my freshman 15, like I said. Some people like Johnny Newman the third better. Okay, um, David Scar, he, you know, he comes back. He's a defensive guy. He's not going to get you a whole lot on the offensive end. I, I, I'm not going to count on him for offense. And he's certainly not going to be my fourth best player on offense. Not on this team. He's going to guard the best front court player on the other team as far as hybrid forwards, possibly twos. But he's not going to be an option on offense. I don't want David Scarf throwing the ball up 10 times a game. No way. No, sir. Not ever. Okay? Anthony Oliver was a good recruit. Didn't get a whole, of, a whole lot of opportunity last year. I think he averaged two points, one rebound a game last year. Former four-star kid. Six foot five. Wing player. Can he break out? I don't know. Is he going to get minutes? Clyde Trapp. He can score. I've said it before. Um, can he be efficient, though? <clears throat> His shooting percentages don't suggest that. He's a volume guy. Okay, he's Jared Wilson frame. And you guys know how I feel about JWF. All right? But they're going to need a fourth guy. Going to need that option just to keep other teams honest. Okay? Can Sims be that guy? I think he's the most likely option. A lot of people like Johnny Newman the third, though. I can honestly say I haven't seen him enough. I'd love to see. I, I just His old man could play, but... I don't know. And I'd like to say it was Hunter Tyson. But from everything I see in here, I don't know if he's going to get a whole lot of run this year. He's a kid that I really like. Prep video. I thought showed a lot. Anyway, that's a question for me. And, and the fifth con, which brings me to it, the, 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 I don't know. Whatever it is, Brad Brownell. You guys know how I feel about Brad Brownell. He's a nice guy. I think he's cleaner than most as far as recruiting goes, as far as his tactics go. I think he's a good dude, good coach, um, not a great recruiter. I think he's one of the cleaner coaches 
in, in the ACC. You know, there's an agreement that, hey, don't bring attention to this because of what uh, what's going on in the other stadium. All right? I think we all know what's going on over there. I think he's he's just fine. You know, he's okay. He's a mid-level coach in the ACC. Okay? Two NCAA tournament appearances. Just got a huge extension. Got a huge buyout. Now he's relaxed. He ain't on the hot seat anymore. I just don't know if I trust him to be a consistent winner, okay? 16 seasons as a head coach, five dance cards punched. Now, they're going to go to the tournament this year. There's no doubt in my mind. This is a, a six seed, probably. Okay? Five, six. They're going to get out of the first round. Um, they could do better if Sims bursts onto the scene and averages, I don't know, 11, six and a half, something like that. And Johnny Newman III gives him eight a game off the bench and... You know, David Scarra just is just a lockdown guy, which we all know he has the potential to be. Okay, not the most athletic guy, but he's crafty as shit. Okay, they could be a second weekend team. Right now, I think they're a first weekend team. Okay, I think both Notre Dame and Clemson are first weekend teams. And I, I think that's it. I, I think that's all I have to say about Clemson. You guys have heard me rail on Brad Brownell since the middle of last year when I started this podcast. All right, you guys know I like Notre Dame. I write for Slap the Sun. You guys are going to hear me write about Notre Dame all winter. Um, again, if you guys like the, if you guys like what you're hearing, I know tonight I'm a little bit of a lunatic. I'm not on any drugs, I promise. I felt like I was. I felt like people would think that I was at some points during this podcast, the way I ranted and raved a little bit. Um, somehow, I made it through two team previews in under an hour, which is crazy, which makes me think that I might have shorted you guys a little bit. But I don't know if you guys are listening to hour and a half podcasts anymore. The attention span of today's millennials, you got to get in, you got to get out. Okay, get the information in. Um, long day at work, had a bunch of coffee. I think I'm going to go uh, watch last night's The Walking Dead and drink a little Evan Williams, hang out with the dog a little bit, and uh, maybe talk to the old lady if she'll have me. But that is the ACC Basketball Report. Episode number 37. I thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like, rate, review, share. I have I'm seeing the numbers go up, but I'm not seeing any more reviews. I need you guys, I need you guys to throw some reviews. I got some bad reviews early on when I started this, and we gotta we gotta throw some good five-star reviews in there to make up for it. Um, I tried to combine some styles early on, didn't go my way. I had to clean it up a little bit. Okay. As much as you may not believe it, I am a lot cleaner than I was when I first started doing this podcast. So <clears throat> Give me a review. Give me five stars. If you're going to give me one star, fuck off. I don't need that shit. Um, appreciate it. Basketball, college basketball is, was it, 16 days away? Are you guys excited? I know I am. This is Michael Hunter. Follow me on Twitter at Pecone36. I'll see you next week. Maybe Wednesday if I got time. Wait, what's today? Today's Monday. No, no, no. I'll see you guys next weekend. Take it easy. Later.